The Annex Wealth Management Show on 92.5 Fox News is hosted by Annex Wealth Management, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Important information about the qualifications and business practices of Annex is available at AnnexWealth.com. Different types of investments involve varying degrees of risk. Please consult with a qualified fiduciary advisor about your specific situation. Annex Wealth Management is a proud member of the Barron's Top Advisor List and the Financial Times Top 300. Know the difference. It's Team Tech Trust. Morning, Southwest Florida. Here we go. Annex Wealth Management Show on the air at 92.5 Fox News on a beautiful Sunday morning, Sunday, June 20th. Happy Father's Day, everybody. I'm Danny Clayton, Derek Felsky, Chief Investment Officer, Annex Wealth Management. Good morning to you. Good morning, Danny. Hey, Dave Spano, President and CEO, Annex Wealth Management. Happy Father's Day to both of you, and thanks for joining us on this beautiful Sunday morning. I will tell you, though, that there was a lot of news that rattled the market a little bit, and that started with the FOMC meeting. That's the Federal Open market committee that is where the chairman of the federal reserve comes out and talks about these meetings and starts to take questions from reporters and there was some interesting outcome out of that yeah the, the fomc meeting essentially went as expected for the most part we rates were unchanged but what we did see is the dot plots the forecasts of the various fomc members moved a little bit forward suggesting that the Fed may be quicker than expected in terms of normalizing their interest rate policy. Powell said over and over again that there is no need to raise interest rates currently. They are still maintaining their purchases of fixed income securities, so they still remain extremely accommodative. But some market participants are starting to think that perhaps they've got it wrong, that perhaps inflation will be not just transitory, but actually permanent, but at a higher level than what we're accustomed to. So there's a, there was a lot of volatility this week, Typically, typical what you see in the summer as liquidity uh, dries up somewhat. But generally speaking, it was a, a good performance by Powell. He suggested that we're talking about a year, two years away from any kind of uh, tightening move. So I think market participants are actually being a little bit short-sighted in the way they're looking yeah, at this. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And I just want the people who are listening to this right now to understand, you know, really what we're talking about. And that is the fact that the Federal Reserve does a number of things. One of them is control short-term interest rates. And the second is they have a balance sheet, or we as Americans have a balance sheet where they can increase it or decrease it depending on the bonds that they buy and so on and so forth. Well, they buy a whole lot of fixed income. And one of the things that they buy are mortgage-backed securities. And that could affect that market. Yeah, then the housing market is extremely strong. So the the Fed has been buying forty billion dollars per month in mortgage-backed securities, which essentially keeps those the rates on those securities low and supports the housing market in a sense. So you know when they're doing this, when we know that housing prices are up 10, 15 percent year over year, when houses are selling in today, clearly the housing market no longer needs that support and is well above the pre-pandemic levels. So that's one area where the Fed certainly could just what they've been doing. Uh, the other thing is, you know, seasonality becomes real difficult as we get into July and August. Historically, stocks don't do much between the end of June and the beginning of October and November. So, you know, it, it wouldn't be surprising to see some sort of stock correction in the coming months. You know, 10% correction we happens every 11 months on average, and we haven't seen one since the March 2020 lows. And Derek, you know, one of the most dangerous sayings 
in the investment business is this time is different, but there are some outstanding facts and circumstances. And one is the comparisons that we're going to see when earnings reports start in just a couple of weeks to a year ago. Obviously, we turned the switch off in the economy, so those comparisons are going to be off the charts. Yeah, absolutely. Earnings growth in, in the second quarter is going to be enormous. Uh, right now, the current forecast is for 61.5% year-over-year earnings growth in the S&P 500, uh, which is similar to what we saw last quarter. But again, the analysts have been slow to incorporate the improvement in the economy, uh, the greater vaccination rates, and the, the improvement overseas and the rest. So I wouldn't be surprised if that 61% number isn't exceeded by quite a bit, actually. Right. right. And you know, the one thing I do want to come back to is a question that we get a lot, Derek, in the last couple of minutes here, is the 10-year Treasury is a barometer for so many securities, both fixed income and equities, and right now still trading under 1.5%, and that is just a head-scratcher for some people. Well, it surprised a lot of people because everyone expected the, as the economy you know, recovers, and we see Atlanta Fed at, what, 7%, we saw a 10% print earlier in the quarter, but how can interest rates continue lower? There are a couple of reasons. One, interest rates overseas are significantly lower. German 10-year bunds traded a negative interest rate, so that that 1.5% looks pretty juicy to a German. Uh, the second thing is that stimulus bill that has been floating around Washington. Originally, Joe Biden asked for $2 trillion. It looks like that number is going to be significantly less. And the other thing about that is it's going to be paid for, and that's a headwind to growth down the road if we see higher taxes. So perhaps 2022 doesn't look quite as aggressive in terms of growth prospects as it did a couple of months ago. Good. Thanks, Derek. You know, on Friday, despite being down, the Dow traded at one point at 33,333.33. So, really? yeah, yeah. so if you believe in the Trinity, we hit that on Friday afternoon for at least for a moment. Dave Spano, President and CEO, Annex Wealth Management, along with Derek Felsky, our Chief Investment Officer, still to come on the show, Ask Annex. We're also going to check in with Brian Fury. Brian is Branch Director at Annex Wealth Management Naples. Great segment on the way. Eight myths about millionaires. What do people think millionaires, how do they get there? I think it's going to surprise you. It's a great segment. That is on the way on the Annex Wealth Management Show right here at 92.5 Fox News. Dave Spano from Annex Wealth Management. After all we've been through, isn't it time to focus on what really matters, living your best life? There are a lot of moving pieces when it comes to investment and retirement planning. It's important to get it right and we can help. AnnexWealth.com is the place to start. Click the Get Started button. Put a pro on your side with a local fee-only fiduciary. That's Annex Wealth Management. AnnexWealth.com. Planning and investment insight from a fee-only fiduciary. And we put that in writing. This is the Annex Wealth Management Show. We're back. Time for Ask Annex. Got a question for us? Our website, AnnexWealth.com. You look for the Ask button. We get back to everybody. Some of them wind up on the radio. I know I said that every single week, but it's true. We want to hear from you. You don't have to be a client. That's no problem at all. First one up, guys, is from Chris. Where are interesting equity opportunities? Well, that's a that's a very broad question. The one thing I would say, you know, we've talked a lot recently about inflation and what the impact of inflation could have on your portfolio. And, you know, just as fixed income investors think about duration, in other words, interest rate risk is a consideration and where they allocate fixed income money. As an equity investor, you can also think of it that way. So when you think 
think about duration in terms of equities, large cap growth stocks, long duration, uh, shorter term value stocks tend to have uh, shorter duration, and dividend payers have shorter duration. So you might want to start to think about reallocating your portfolio away from those large cap growers to things like companies that pay dividends at a, at a high level that are going to sustain well during a market correction. Next up on Ask Annex, this must be one of your golfing buddies it's via text. For Derek Felsky, are you happy Callaway Golf is replacing Grubhub in the S&P Midcap 400 index? Is that one of your buddies? Uh, well, I don't know, but but I, I, absolutely there should be a golf waiting in all major market indexes. The good news about Callaway Golf is their merger recently completed with Top Golf. They recently raised their guidance for the year, and they're actually going to reach 2019 levels by the end of 2021, which they did not expect about three months ago. Ago. Remember, it was about five years ago. They thought golf was on the ropes. I mean, they, they really thought it was going to be kind of over. And then last year, when courses got shut down, and then all of a sudden everybody got to golf, it was a great year. Well, it was the perfect social social spacing uh, vehicle, right? I mean, most people are in the woods. So if you're in the fairway like I do, you didn't have much contact <laughs> with people, and hence you didn't get COVID. Okay. Next up on Ask Annex is from Cy. How concerned should we be about capital gain taxes changing? That's a big question, isn't it? Right. And the Treasury Department released their green book containing the administration's fiscal year 2022 budget tax proposals recently. And that that would tax long-term capital gains and qualified dividends on taxpayers with an adjusted gross income of more than a million dollars at the ordinary income tax rates. So under that proposal, 37% would generally be the highest individual tax bracket. It goes over 40 when you include the net investment income tax, but only if the taxpayer's income exceeds a million bucks. So where might this be impactful? What comes to my mind would be real estate, uh, commercial sales potentially, even if the 1031 one exchanges went away, there are other possible workarounds still. Again, this is where sophisticated financial planning really comes into play. For now, there are plenty of other issues to contemplate in the current proposals, but much remains to be worked out. There'll be negotiations, of course, with the administration and lawmakers over the legislation that may or may not be passed. We are watching this. We'll keep you informed on issues that pass and how they impact planning. Okay. Ask Annex got a question for us. Our website, AnnexWealth.com. Look for the Ask button. This one is from Veronica. Medicare is telling me I have to pay something called IRMA. Why and how do I get out of it? For high-income Medicare beneficiaries, Part B and Part D premiums include an additional charge based on your Modified Adjusted Gross Income, or MAGI. Now, this is income-related monthly adjusted amount. That's what IRMA stands for. It's determined by income from your income tax returns two years prior, however. So this means that for your 2021 Medicare premiums, it's actually your 2019 income tax return that's used. The amount is recalculated then annually. The IRMA surcharge is added to your 2021 premiums. Um, if you're over a certain amount, it's 88000 If you're single, 176000 if you're married, filing jointly. However, this can and should be appealed if you had a change in income since that two-year look-back, like retirement. You file a form called SSA 44, and there's some planning that can be done around this as well. So this is a if you receive a letter regarding IRMA from Medicare, get it to your advisor. Okay. Next up is from Kyle. You've talked about early retirement 
but is it that people are giving up or deciding that they've had enough? And then parentheses, he says, sounds good to me. Yeah, right. I think that that last part is the most important thing. The sounds good to me is what we're hitting and seeing in surveys all over. Um, people that were within, let's call it five years of retirement, the longer they were out, they're actually kind of waiting and seeing if they're enjoying their work right now and to see what the current environment will do, how inflation will impact, et cetera, with their financial plan. People within two years, however, are tending to accelerate and retire sooner. I've certainly seen this anecdotally here at Annex as a wealth manager, where people just say, you know, life's too short. COVID had an impact psychologically, and they're ready to pull that trigger. Hey, Derek, real quick, we got uh, less than a minute. Somebody asked me on the way in today, when will that meme stock NFT mania fade? Any idea? Well, it, ha- it tends to fade as, as a consequence of results. Um, I was actually looking at a, a website today that actually chronicles meme mentions, uh, which is sort of interesting. And then I looked at the stock. Some of them were up a lot. Some were down a lot. So it's not necessarily a guarantee of success. I warn people against taking speculative positions in companies they know nothing about that have no earnings and really no f- underlying fundamental supporting factors. As always, got a question for us, you head to our website, AnnexWealth.com. Look for the Ask button. We get back to everybody. Some of them wind up on the radio. Up next, we'll check in with Brian Fiore, Branch Director, Annex Wealth Management, Naples. This is the Annex Wealth Management Show, 92.5 Fox News. It starts with a call. With one call, you can start seeing your future more clearly. If your financial picture is cloudy because you're getting conflicting tax, investment, and estate planning advice, help is a call or a click away. Annex Wealth Management's team works to get your investment plan in line with your tax plan and your estate plan. Build confidence with one team working to create one comprehensive plan as a fee-only fiduciary. Annex Wealth Management. One team, one plan, one fee. AnnexWealth.com. Custom-tailored investment and retirement planning from a fee-only fiduciary. Know the difference. This is the Annex Wealth Management Show. Joined by Brian Fiore, Branch Director, Annex Wealth Management Naples. Good morning, Brian. Good morning, Danny. According to Fidelity's Millionaire Outlook study, the vast majority, 82% of millionaires, are self-made. They did not inherit money. They built their wealth themselves. We're going to go over some millionaire myths and see what Brian thinks about those myths. And since you've got decades of experience working with them, offer a little insight. The, The first millionaire myth is... If you have a high salary, you are set for life. Yeah, actually, uh, from my experience and also from the Fidelity's study, most folks find it easy to spend what they earn no matter what the level is. And the study said a median household for millionaires is around 200000 So the trick is to have a save and investment plan of your income and not spend it all, obviously, to build your nest egg and build your wealth. Um, the study says that millionaires save about 30% of their income instead of those who spend all of their income. So I think a tip for uh, for youngsters is if you can start saving at 10% as you grow and see if you can build over time up to that 30%, the mathematics says you can likely become a millionaire. There you go. Millionaire myth number two, it's all luck. Um, I don't think folks would think that too much, right? I mean, there's going to be uh, divine intervention and luck, but I think the more you prepare, the more you work, the more intelligent you do things, the more luck will come your way. And also, it's definitely not luck to have a save and investment plan. There's no luck required for that. Millionaire myth number three, got to have all your money made before you retire. I don't know. I think that's that's definitely a myth because people don't stop doing things when they actually are able to fully retire from work. 
I think that's just a, a pause in life where you no longer have to have full-time work, but you're going to do something else in life. And often it's likely you can continue to prove your financial situation as you live after your full-time work because you do other things and you can continue to build your nest egg that way. Millionaire myth number four, you got to have a fancy college degree. <laughs> I bet colleges uh, want you to believe this, but according to The Millionaire Next Door by Thomas Stanley, only 8% of millionaires hold a master's degree. Only 8% millionaires have a law degree, and he said only 6% have a medical degree. So some of those degrees aren't obviously a requirement. So uh, all of us that don't have any law degrees or medical degrees or whatever, you still have a chance. And you get a diploma from the School of Hard Knocks, right? Yeah, one of my favorite clients built his tool company without a college degree and sold it for a, a nice sum and uh, has had a great life. And he's been able to build a business that all the employees like, was able to sell it to his employees. So, you know, real success story without any even college degree at all. Millionaire myths, and there are a bunch. Brian Fiore, branch director at Annex Wealth Management Naples, and we're covering them. Number five, they work for big banks, law firms, and tech companies. Quite a few folks who you know do make their nest egg, make their worth built working for big companies. However, the study says that 66% of millionaires actually own their own business, um, and they have multiple income streams. So maybe folks start off working somewhere and learn a trade, learn their craft, learn techniques in a company, but 66% end up owning their own business, and that's how they build their, their main wealth. Myths about millionaires. Number six, success comes easily and early. I think most people would say, of course not, nothing's easy, right? If it's easy, everybody would do it. According to the Global Entrepreneurship Monitor, which I learned about recently, the highest age group of entrepreneurs now is actually 55 to 64. So myself, I still have a chance. I have a few years to go before I'm 55. So uh, those that are still looking for maybe a, a business or future things to do, 55 to 64 is the, uh, the age group with most entrepreneurs now. Millionaire myth number seven, they don't have anything to worry about. <laughs> uh, I laugh because that's not my experience, right? Everybody has something that's on their mind that isn't going, it's not taken care of, or um, they have concerns. Some of the high concerns are things that you know, maybe a little bit out of their control, like health, maintaining health. I mean, you can be active, exercise your body and mind, but there's some things that just occur over time that there's nothing you can do about. So being able to have access to good health care and, and maintaining their health is a big concern. Actually, Future financial security, making sure their financial independence stays is a concern. Then at some point they get, you know, folks when they get later later in life, they want to make sure they leave an impactful legacy, sometimes more than others, where they want to actually impact the community issues they care about, make sure, you know, maybe generational wealth is taken care of. There's definitely a few concerns that, that go on. And our final millionaire myth, it's the eighth one. They've got their future all figured out. <laughs> Well, according to studies and also my experience, I think the Fidelity studies found that there's some, I would say, significant uncertainty where 68% of those in the study were comfortable with their current circumstances, but only 17% were confident about the future finances as a whole. So doing everything they want to do for the rest of their life, financial independence and all that, only 17% were fully comfortable or confident in that. So that's a big discrepancy of probably what people think. And that's where we come in. We're ready to assist with investment and retirement planning, tax planning, and estate planning. We do it as a fee-only fiduciary. Know the difference. Website, AnnexWealth.com. Click the Get Started button. Brian Fiore, Branch Director, Annex Wealth Management Naples, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Danny. My pleasure. 
More to come. We'll be back. This is the Annex Wealth Management Show, 92.5 Fox News. Dave Spano from Annex Wealth Management. After all we've been through, isn't it time to focus on what really matters, living your best life? There are a lot of moving pieces when it comes to investment and retirement planning. It's important to get it right, and we can help. AnnexWealth.com is the place to start. Click the Get Started button. Put a pro on your side with a local fee-only fiduciary. That's Annex Wealth Management, AnnexWealth.com. Planning and investment insight from a fee-only fiduciary, and we put that in writing. This is the Annex Wealth Management Show. We're back. Annex Wealth Management Show for Sunday, June 20th again. Happy Father's Day, everybody. I'm Danny Clayton, Derek Felsky, Chief Investment Officer at Annex, and Dave Spano, President and CEO, Annex Wealth Management. Thanks, Danny. You know, uh, last week was a down week. In fact, it was the worst week the Dow Jones has had since October of 2020. So, you know, why is that happening? Because we're talking about talking about tapering. Well, they certainly, as, as Powell said after the meeting, he said this was the meeting in which we did talk about talking about it. So that is absolutely the correct way to look at it. Um, the other thing is, again, the S&P is up almost 50% on a year-over-year basis. Small caps up almost 80. And I think we've made it pretty clear over the last several weeks that you know rebalancing a portfolio, taking a little bit off your winners, whether it was energy or financials, and perhaps re- rotating back to fixed income and technology uh, made some sense. But as we approach July and August, the key is going to be what these inflation numbers look like. Right now, copper is 15% off its high, lumber almost 48% off its high, So, but still at significantly higher levels than a year ago. And the question will be, as the U.S. continues to recover and Europe begins to gain, gain steam, which hasn't up to this point, what's going to happen to inflation? Will inflationary expectations get built in, and will that cause interest rates to rise, which can hamper the valuation of some some assets, many of which have very large market caps in the S&P 500. Yeah, that's for sure. So taking a look at what you own, why you own it, how much you pay for it is always a good idea. You know, one thing that we do watch very closely is the U.S. dollar for many reasons. One is because commodity prices, nearly all commodity prices, are priced in U.S. dollars. And secondly, one of the things that happens here in the United States is companies that are based here and sell abroad, this changes their pricing structure, and the dollar continues to weaken. The dollar has been weak over the last six, seven months. It did bounce pretty sharply this week, which I think unsettled some people, primarily because, again, the Fed kind of surprised people in the sense that they did move forward those dot plots, which, of course, are not forecasts, or forecasts, not predictions of where interest rates ultimately will go. The U.S. dollar, you know, it's an important element. Obviously, the Biden policies, when you're talking about big fiscal stimulus packages and a very accommodative Fed, you would expect the dollar to be weak in that environment. But the other thing about the dollar is it's against other currencies and many of these other countries whose currencies we talk about they're engaged in the same sort of fiscal and monetary accommodation that we are as well which i guess is one of the reasons why bitcoin became such a a rock star in terms of relative asset performance as people increasingly don't trust central bankers to maintain the integrity of their currencies right well it was seems that there was a race to the bottom around the world of federal banks and the last thing i do want to cover derek 
is legislation is brewing. You know, the Democrats and Republicans certainly don't agree upon a lot, but they certainly have big tech in their targets. Yeah, on Friday, there were five new bills tar- targeting anti-competitive practice introduced to the Congress. It's possible that one or more of these bills will pass the Congress, but then they have to go to the Senate, where unless the filibuster rules change, you need 60 votes. We have a midterm election coming in 2022. Some of these companies may actually be worth more if they were broken up. For example, if you broke up Amazon's uh, web services away from their retailing post, who's to say what the valuation of of that company would be if it was traded independently? But it is something that's going to bother tech. I mean, I remember Microsoft went through a decade of antitrust investigations, and that really got them, that sidewinded them. There was a a dead stock for 10 years. That could certainly happen if the Congress is serious about this. And these are big market cap companies, which will affect the performance of the market averages. Yeah, I was going to add that, but nice, nice close there is the fact that when you look at your portfolio, tech has really been a leader for almost a decade, and it's been in the middle of the pack lately, and there's been other sectors that have been doing better, energies and financials and the like. So as you go through your portfolio, and if you're doing this yourself, you certainly have to do a deep dive. If you want some help, this is what we do on a daily basis. We do not charge for to do these portfolio reviews. So if you have an account at Schwab or Fidelity or the like, and you need someone to look over your shoulder. This is exactly what you do. Reach out to us. Come on in. We'll give you this overview and we'll help you through this. Dave, looking back on the show, and it is a quick 30 minutes, we had to ask Annex, and really Ask Annex is an open forum. If you got a question, concern, you get a hold of us. You don't have to be a client for that. I really liked eight myths about millionaires because I think if anybody has, has achieved that status, and the, the, it was blood, sweat, and tears. Right. We get that right. at Annex Wealth Management. Yeah, no doubt about it. And so if this is uh, if this makes sense to you and you want to engage us, it's really easy to do. And this is not an infomercial. This is an opportunity to help. Exactly. Know the difference. It's one team, one plan, one fee. It breaks down like this. Investment and retirement planning, tax planning, and estate planning. That's under one roof by one team for you. One fee. Let's talk about that. We are a fee-only fiduciary. Zero commissions. That is complete fee transparency. The website, AnnexWealth.com. Click that Get Started button. Happy Father's Day. See you in a week. Annex Wealth Management Show, 92.5 Fox News. The Annex Wealth Management Show is hosted by Annex Wealth Management, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Important information about the qualifications and business practices of Annex is available at AnnexWealth.com. Different types of investments involve varying degrees of risk. Please consult with a qualified fiduciary advisor about your specific situation.